0: Alright, so this morning we continue our study through the Gospel of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 4 and we're concluding this chapter this morning. The title of this morning's message is, That You May Believe. So let's begin by reading Luke chapter 4 and starting in verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding area or region. Father, we want to lift up this time of study into your hands, Lord. We, we do ask, Father, that you would give us understanding, speak to us personally. Lord, may your word truly cut to the core of our hearts, of who we are, Lord, that we may, in that work, Lord, become more so a people that reflects who you are, that we would be given to the process of sanctification, even now as we sit at your feet and, and receive your word, And so teach us all things this morning that would bless you. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey your word. And and Lord, as we do so, that we may walk away from here better for having not only heard your word, but understanding it and applying it. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing and pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. So as we read here, we we see how it is that Jesus begins his ministry there in Capernaum by, number one, uh, teaching, and number two, showing, revealing his authority over this demon that possessed this man. We begin with the This miracle here, and we're going to continue this morning with other miracles. Now, if giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute, strength to the lame, and deliverance to people who are possessed by demons. If all of this was not the reason why Jesus was on earth, why it is that he came. then the question is, why do them? We should ask the reason. Well, why is it that he performed these miracles? Well, what is the, the purpose for them? What is God's intention? First of all, we need to understand that miracles reveal that Jesus is the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, Secondly, miracles reveal Jesus' glory. In John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Thirdly, miracles reveal that God's kingdom is at hand. In Matthew 12:28 it says, "But if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you." What is God's desired impact upon knowing and believing that Jesus is who he says he is and and then proving this by performing miracles? Is it because he wanted people to have, perhaps, an easier life? Is it just because he wanted to do good? He was able to do good, and therefore he did good. Or was it because he wanted to gain, perhaps, a big following? Well, we all know. I mean, this is... These are rhetorical questions. We know the answer to these questions, right? Because it wasn't for any of these reasons. John 20, 30 and 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, Jesus performed these signs that people would come to believe that He is the Son of God. And that by believing in Jesus, each one who believes, who expresses their faith in Him to be who He says He is, would come to know eternal life. Now, did everyone understand this when Jesus walked the earth? The answer to that, of course, is no. And so therefore the follow-up question to that is, does everyone today understand this? And the answer is, no. People still look to Jesus for things other than salvation. Perhaps we can get caught up in that, even as believers, as we live lives and we experience difficulties. Hard events in our own lives, instead of just being content with the salvation that we have come to know, in those things that God has entrusted with us, and yes, the difficulties are included, we start looking to Him to perhaps deliver us from those things. We're still looking for signs and miracles, those things that perhaps God can do. Not that there's anything wrong in that, but we look for those things to bring us to a place of contentment with Him. people still look to Him to perform more miracles that fix things in their lives rather than understanding that what is important is not an easy, comfortable life, but rather a right life. A life that is made right by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what God desires above all else. 2 Peter 3.9 nine. It says that God desires that none perish, but that all reach repentance. That is his intended desire. The result that people come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. The one who paid for our sins in full on the cross by his shed blood. That we would know eternal life. So let's take a look at what Jesus was doing at this early stage of his ministry and how the people were responding so that we can learn from this. Perhaps, again, you're guilty of doing the same. And instead of asking Jesus to fix everything, you need to ask him what he desires to reveal in a situation that perhaps you're going through. That you would bring him glory And reveal that he is truly the Savior and Lord in your life. Allowing him to strengthen and deepen your faith. And even using those difficult moments to lead others to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As you reveal that eternal life in Jesus is the most important thing that anyone could come to know. This side of heaven. That you may believe. Again, verse 31 through 37. And he went down to Capernaum in a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. We first see, as we begin to see, uh, learn of his stay there in Capernaum. How it is that he would go to the synagogue. That was what he normally did. But we see here how it is that he delivers this man from demonic possession. Jesus delivers. He had now traveled from Nazareth, which is west of the Sea of Galilee, inland. Now he travels northeast to Capernaum. Capernaum is located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, this was the city where we know Peter's house to be. As Jesus had done in Nazareth, so he did in Capernaum. He, on the Sabbath, entered into the synagogue. And they allowed him to teach. And so he did. Now, on this occasion, we don't know what he read. We don't know what he taught. But we do know about the people's response to his teaching. We see their reaction. And that is that they were described as, as he was completing uh, his teaching that they were just astonished. They were amazed at his teaching. Why is that? They were amazed at his teaching because his word possessed authority. Can you In hindsight, we think about this and we think, of course he had authority. Of course he has authority. He is the Son of God. He's Jesus the one whom the father sent he's the second person of the trinity and yet for them they didn't they didn't know this they didn't believe this because normally the person that was teaching would speak not on not in their own authority but on the authority of someone else they would quote a, a rabbi that they had learned under that they had been brought up under But Jesus, oh, he was teaching in a different way. They were truly amazed. Because he spoke as if he spoke with his own authority. That he had direct knowledge of the scriptures. And he had the ability to interpret them with confidence. Not quoting other rabbis. But speaking, preaching, teaching the scriptures. Remember what Jesus said in the synagogue in Nazareth. On him And he began to say to them, "Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He spoke with the same authority. He taught with the same authority in Nazareth as he now did in Capernaum. They were all silent. The people that heard him speak, they were in, they were in awe, they were amazed. In all the while. There was a man in the crowd. There was a man in the synagogue. Who was demonically possessed. And he was listening to Jesus in the synagogue. He was also listening to him. But unlike everyone else. This man was not silent. He was not. He, he was not struck to the heart. In such a way that that he, he, he couldn't even speak. In fact, he cried out with a loud voice. Just as we see Jesus encounter a man who is possessed by a demonic spirit, so we are also told by the Apostle Paul that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but spiritual. We know this. We've gone through Ephesians. I've referred often to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Which says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And perhaps even now, the thoughts that you are having overwhelm the very word that you are to receive. Know that that very struggle in your own heart and mind right now, is to get your attention and undermine the very work that the Lord desires to do at this moment. You see, the demons and Satan is not silent. They're not silent. He will try and confuse you, cast down. He'll try and get your attention. Especially when you the word is being brought forth. In your time of prayer. I know I've said this before, but it is wild, isn't it? It is wild when you're in a moment of prayer. And a thought crosses your mind and you think, where in the world did that come from? How? And you have to be disciplined. You have to focus on the Lord. And you need to discern that that is not of the Lord. This demon that was in the presence of Jesus, in that synagogue, knew exactly who Jesus was. The Holy One of God. This demon expressed fear, concluding that Jesus was there to end their work and the work of Satan on earth. This is what his thought was. What this demonstrates is that they knew that Jesus has authority over them and had the power to destroy them. No, in demonstration of Jesus' authority, he rebuked the demon, commanded him to be quiet, and commanded the demon, this evil spirit, to come out of the man it was possessing. And it did, without delay without harming the man. Which implies that the intention of that demonic spirit was to bring harm upon the man. It's implied by that statement. Well, the response of the people as they witnessed this exorcism of this man who was possessed by this demonic spirit delivering him was further amazement. They were already amazed at the authority of his word, the the manner in which he taught. He spoke. He preached the word. They were were silent. They were mute. They they couldn't speak. And, And then now they were further amazed. Like, wow, he speaks and he teaches with authority. And now he even has authority over the demons or over evil spirits. They were further amazed. They were so in awe that Jesus displayed not only the authority in his teaching, but also his authority to command unclean spirits to come out of people. And from that point, what we see here is that the people who were there in the synagogue, of course, they left immediately and they were going out to the region of Galilee there. And they started telling everyone, giving a report of what had just taken place in the synagogue. Now, I want to comment in regards to this, this whole situation, this event. In fact, I know Pastor David Rosales right now at Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley. I, I, uh, I saw the title of his, of his message this morning, and uh, I think it's when Satan joins a church. It's like, whoa, what a, what a title, right? And he's going, I believe he's going through the book of Acts. But we need to consider this, and I, I, I understand that title. I understand what he's teaching, and we need to really understand what we have before us. Because we should not be surprised when Satan shows up to church. Satan showing up to church? Can he really be in here? Mm-hmm. demon-possessed man was able to make it into the synagogue with Jesus' teaching. What makes you think that a demon-possessed person won't be in church today? How can that be? Because Satan wants nothing more so good to undermine your faith. There will be tears among the weed, is what we're told. There will be wolves that creep in. What the Apostle Paul warned the elders in Ephesus. We ought to be able to discern those things. You see, the demon will be exposed for who he is because he will desire to steal, kill, and destroy, according to John 10.10. 10. He will murmur, and these are the characteristics of, of Satan. He will murmur, gossip, lie, attempt to undermine the work of the Lord, that is evangelism and discipleship, and disrupt the unity of the brethren. He will divide, confuse, and cast doubt in people's minds about God and his people, and his word. Have you ever experienced that within church? Hey, if you stick around for any length of time, you're gonna experience that. You're gonna have someone that disrupts the unity of the brethren, casts doubt, confu- brings confusion, undermines the very work that the Lord desires to do here. I, I was, I was blown away the first time that I encountered something like this because I thought as I came to Christ and I became a part of the church that is actively serving the Lord, I thought, man, hallelujah, let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya because I have have just reached that place to where everything is perfect. No. And then some time passed, then uh, my first encounter with someone who just is in the flesh, not that I wasn't, you know, from time to time, but just that it wasn't perfect. And then other times when it was just like really blatant, I thought, wow, what's going on here? I thought church was supposed to be different. Maybe I should go to a different church. Maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's another one. It's just not this one. Now, I'll tell you what, everywhere you go, you're dealing with people who are fallen and are also in that place of sanctification, and we're growing in the Lord. But listen, in the local church, in this one we call refuge, know God's word and be able to discern when you come across something that is not of the Lord. More importantly, can you please be aware of it in your own life, in your own heart? I mean, Ray, you brought it up a couple times. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Don't trust your own heart. And don't think that you're above that. Because we can all fall to that place and act more like Satan in those moments. Catch yourself, be able to discern, think about the manner in which you're conducting yourself, your behavior, your words. What you're encouraging others to do and not do. Is it to bring everyone together or is it to splinter? Is it to build up or to tear down? Is it to cast doubt or deepen their faith? What is it that we're doing? So be careful. We got to be mindful of ourselves. Each person. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And we see evidence of that as we see this person who is possessed by this demon, fearful and shuddering at the presence of the Son of God. As you see this miracle explained, laid out for us. May that bring us to a place of believing that Jesus is truly the Son of God. Believe in Jesus Christ and His salvation. Know that He has authority over everything. And then may that compel you to do His work and bless Him. Well, word got out about Jesus... And Jesus heals. Beginning in verse 38, as we continue, it says, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. So Jesus delivers, Jesus heals. After Jesus had taught in the synagogue and delivered this man from demonic possession, he traveled a short distance to Peter's house. Now, uh, for those of you who have gone to Israel, you've more than likely gone to Capernaum, and you've gone to the synagogue, the synagogue that is presently there uh, is is actually not the synagogue that Jesus entered into. That is believed to be under a couple layers uh, of, of that synagogue. But from that location to where they believe to be Peter's house is not far. I mean, we're talking maybe, I don't know, 50, 75 yards at the most. It's very close, and it is toward the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus traveled a short distance to Peter's house, and they all entered into his home, into the place where Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Now, what we have here is not a note saying that Jesus, immediately upon entering the house, knew that Peter, Peter's mother-in-law was sick, and therefore went to her bedside and healed her of this illness, of this disease. It's, there's no word of that. In fact, he simply entered the house. It was when they appealed to him, giving him an awareness that she was sick and she had a fever, and asked him to go, that he responded. And Jesus came, he stood over her, he rebuked her, her fever, commanding it to leave her, and it did ju- do just that. Just like the, the demon withdrew from the man without harming him, so it was with this, this disease that caused this fever. It was completely stopped at the word of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this, as he did this, she is described as having gotten up and she immediately began to serve them. Now, I, I would think that all of you have probably experienced a fever in your life. You've gotten sick and you've experienced a fever. Now what happens, you know, after a fever, you just get to a point, you, you, like the fever breaks, and then you don't have a fever anymore, and then you have all this energy, right? And you just want to like jump up and go run five miles and uh, and do stuff, right? No, it's quite the opposite, isn't it? Man, it's like that fever drains the life out of you. You're sick. You don't feel good. You may not have a fever anymore, but you certainly don't feel like doing much of anything. You want to rest. You want to recover what happened with Peter's mother-in-law, she immediately, as she got up, she immediately started serving them. Now remember that meanwhile, and this, this was truly amazing. Again, this is another, uh, another example of God's authority, of Jesus' authority, over not only the demon, but also the disease. And she immediately sprung to her feet and had the energy and the wherewithal to serve them. And all the while, as this was going on, reports of Jesus were going out everywhere in the area. People were starting to find out and they were starting to come toward where Jesus was there in Capernaum, knowing that he had gone to Peter's home. And as we have... Described here for us as the sun was setting, this was officially the next day. And so it was the day after, even though it was the same as as far as we're concerned, the same day, but as soon as the sun goes down, it's the next day, it's the following day, it's the day after the Sabbath. It was Sunday for them. And the people had the liberty to, to now travel as they pleased. And they started coming from all over the place. Those who were sick, Jesus healed them as they came. Not only did he heal those who were sick, who had diseases, but also those with demons he cast out. Demons also, as it says here, came out of many. Now as... We see here in scripture, I know it to be true today, I, I truly believe that there are those diseases, there are those who we would consider to be, uh, the, the world would consider to be mentally ill. Actually, are no different than these people in the time of Jesus. Jesus. Many people who are suffering diseases and who are labeled as having mental illnesses are actually affected by the influence of demons, whether oppressed or possessed. If you've ever spent some time out sharing God's word with people, evangelizing on the streets and you come across people, you will know that to be true. You, you want to go out prayed up prayed up and in the right place with the lord you don't want to open yourself up to the things that are out there without being fully prepared but you come across some some people and you think there is no way this this is this is demonic this is spiritual but the world has has now described it as you know something It has to do with the mind. It does. But it is not solved. It is not relieved through drugs. And sitting in front of someone who can explain to you and bring you through the process of rehabilitating the person's mental condition. In Mark chapter 5 verse 15, it says, And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Uh, there are people I can bring up One person, Mike McIntosh, that was out of his mind. He was he was a man, and that's just one example of a man who was out of his mind, and God set in his right mind as he came to Christ. A man who was used mightily, and is being used mightily even today by the Lord. And there are others. We can go down the list. In fact, uh, there's a a book called Harvest, and it it, uh, refers to a number of Calvary Chapel pastors and uh, men who were in one place, one moment, and completely delivered from that as they came to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and were clothed in the right mind. the answer the the hope is not anything other than jesus christ is that who we're preaching is that who we're pointing people to you say well this person needs more than that it's that's not enough really i would ask you please check your heart <laughs> please if we're if we're relying on medicine more than or people, or some professional, medical professional, more than Jesus, uh, you got it backwards. Do we believe that he is the great physician? Do we believe that he is the only one in whom we can hope for eternal life? I'm not saying there's not a place for those who can help as far as medicine is concerned. But listen, that is not, that is not the, the one that you ought to go to for salvation, hope, for deliverance from what we're looking at this morning. Because we see here that the only one who had authority over these, these diseases and demons who were Possessing people was Jesus, healing the people and commanding the demons to be quiet and to come out of the people. And so they did. The demons were not allowed by Jesus to speak, although they knew who he was. As we continue going through this this story that we have here, this event Now remember that that Satan knows who Jesus is and will always attempt to twist the word and mar the image of Jesus and elevate in that place man by bringing pride to the surface and causing the person to desire to lower Jesus and elevate the needs and desires of man. That is what we'll see happening. It's nothing new. Evidence of this is seen in the tempting of Jesus in the wilderness. Did Satan not do that with Jesus? He did the very same thing. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16. This is uh, Paul and Silas before they were thrown into jail. And in fact, this was the reason why they were thrown into jail. It says this. Now, question, why would Paul do this if she was testifying correctly? Was it not true? Was she not speaking the truth of who they were? The answer is yes. She was speaking the truth. But she was mocking. in her intent, her intent was to elevate herself as she was energized by the demonic spirit that was possessing her. Remember, she brought great gain to her masters, those who were using her to make money. Listen, in the same way, if our attempt is to elevate ourselves at someone else's expense, then we need to repent and stop doing that. And instead, glorify Jesus and lift his name And serve Him at our cost. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is how we ought to be with each other. Conduct ourselves in the house of the Lord, in the fellowship of the saints, Jesus healed many people of disease and demonic oppression and possession. And as we see here, it's described, and it, he did this beginning at sundown, and he did it all night long. As they brought these people, as they came that were sick and were possessed, he healed and he delivered all night. And then, verse 42. And when it was day he departed and went up went went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So Jesus delivers, Jesus heals. But Jesus came to save. Jesus, um, at this point, after a whole night of ministering to these people, Jesus wanted to get alone with the Father. And so he, he left. He wanted to go out into somewhere quiet and private. And he, he often did this. He would, he would remove himself and, and go just spend time with the Father. But... <laughs> But the people did not allow this. Uh, they, they saw where he went. They went to him. And um, in fact, they didn't want Jesus to leave. But in this time, in this moment, Jesus told them that he had to go. It was the Father's will is what he was communicating to them that he go and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Everything that they had heard, he had to preach to other people in other places. Jesus was demonstrating who he was, revealing that he was the Messiah, revealing his glory, and revealing that the kingdom of God was at hand. In teaching in the synagogues, and both in Nazareth and in Capernaum, and everywhere that he went, as we now see him go into Judea, Jesus was teaching the very word of God that they had heard before, but he spoke with authority. And we know that in his teaching, just as what, he, just like he did in Nazareth, so he did everywhere that he went, and we'll see evidence of this. We'll see. These times when he corrects what has been taught about the word, he is correcting. He is teaching them. He is revealing who he is. Even calling on them to repent and believe. And so Jesus was correcting things regarding scripture and the kingdom of God. That they had gotten wrong. By the way he's still doing that today through scripture. The miracles served to prove his authority over disease and demons. And that he was the son of God. That the lost may be found. And that those in darkness may come into the light. Luke 19.10 says. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So how about you? As we consider what we have gone over. Why are you here? What do you ask of Jesus? When he does deliver you from darkness and brings you into the light. Are we compelled to serve him? Just as Peter's mother-in-law was compelled to serve him, to honor him, to to get up, to rise up. Do we understand who he is? And are we considering ourselves, are we discerning when the things that we express in our own lives, or the thoughts that we have and the things that we say are not of the Lord, do we bring them under the authority of God? confessing those things, repenting of those things, and instead get to know God's Word a little bit better that we may honor and glorify Him in our own lives. You know, First John 4.19 says we love because He first loved us. You want to learn how to love? That, that is the biblical love of God? Get to know His Word. Draw close to Him. The Word says that if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. Jesus delivers, Jesus heals, and Jesus saves. I will close with this. And that is John 3:16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. All these things happen that you may believe. Do you believe? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for recording these events and, Lord, the purpose of them. We know with great understanding, we, we have clarity with this. Or that the reason for them is that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he alone is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Lord, I ask that you would remind us of that. Father, that that, that would be something that would... Um, that we would find great joy in, contentment, satisfaction, Lord, that as we do deal with things in our lives, Lord, that we would always go back and, and remember what you delivered us from. Eternal condemnation brought us into the light. And you call us your children, sons and daughters, of the most high truly that is wonderful that is truly beyond comprehension and yet it is true because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and so lord i i ask father that you would further establish that in our own hearts that lord that that would drive us to be aware of ourselves or whether we're in our right mind or not whether we're acting on behalf of you and reflecting your character or that of the enemy. That we may confess those things, Lord, and turn from those things that do not bring you glory and instead choose to do those things that bless you. I pray for anyone who does not know you. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day when, when you surrender your lives to Christ. Each one who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, today be the day of salvation. That he would deliver you from darkness and bring you into light. That you would be willing to discard the old heart and be given a new heart. I pray, Lord, that you would stir the hearts of each one of us. That we would be willing to surrender our lives to you once more. Commit our lives to you. Be devoted to you. And enjoy you. Finding great pleasure today as we serve you. And having that great hope of one day being in your presence forever in your glory. I thank you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name.